This is the Taz and Jim podcast. We got some fast food news to share with everybody. Over the weekend, a woman named Caitlin, she was on TikTok saying she ordered a meal for her family from Taco Bell, got it delivered through DoorDash. But when it arrived, she noticed the seal on the bag was broken and Mm. a Doritos Locos taco was missing from the order. She decided to do a little investigation, looked at the drop-off photo that the DoorDasher sent. They send you a photo of them dropping the food off, so you know you got it. And in the picture, if you look closely, it looks like the DoorDasher's fingers have orange dust on them. She was caught orange-handed. Literally orange-handed. Y'all, tell me that ain't Dorito dust on this woman's fingers. Oh, my God. Tell me this woman didn't eat my taco. DoorDash did reimburse Caitlin for the missing taco. I don't know if uh, there will be some uh, punishment for the <laughs> the orange-fingered lady. I mean, at least she wasn't, or uh, he or she, at least they weren't licking their fingers and putting it back in the bag. Like, it could have been worse. You take the whole taco. You don't just oh, take, then you a take bite. it out and then take one bite of the taco, so. put it back. <laughs> Thank God for that little sticker, though. Honestly, it it is the last barrier of protection. Yeah, that they put on the paper bag. Yeah, it's it's an amazing thing. <laughs> I just found the photo. That is so it reminds me of every anytime my mom takes a photo. There's a finger in the corner, kind of blurry, but there is without a doubt, yeah, dust on it. It's like when I go to my kid, I'm like, "Buddy, uh, have you been eating cookies? No, chocolate all over his face." <laughs> like, okay, is that mud? This is the Taz and Jim podcast. I was so excited when I saw an article uh, yesterday about uh, a flying car company in Slovakia named Kleinvision has built what they call a flying car that just completed its first inner city flight test. It flew 46 miles in the air, then landed at the airport, drove away, hmm. and they they say it's a big success. So, I, you know, I've been waiting for flying cars my whole life, Jim. Oh, for sure. Ever since I saw Back to the Future. <laughs> it you know? flies? The DeLorean does. Oh, Come on, man. When's the last time you watched Back to the Future? End of the movie. The, eight. the wheels turn in and the car takes off into the sky. Where we're going, we don't need roads. No? Was that is that the first movie? That's the end of the first oh, movie. Oh, wow. It's been too long. Yeah. And then the second movie, you really get a look at the flying cars. Back to the Future 2. Mm-hmm. So when I when I saw this article, that's what I was picturing in my mind. Uh, you know, the wheels, wheels turn sideways. The wheels flip in, and <laughs> then the, the car takes off. But watching this video, I don't want to diminish what they're doing over there in Slovakia. This is more a plane that drives. It's a <laughs> driving plane. It's not a flying car. What's the difference? Well, you look at it when it's in the air, and it looks like it's got big wings and a propeller on the back of it. It looks like an airplane. Sure. And then it lands. It is cool. Have you, did you watch the video? Yeah, I sent yeah. It to you. When it lands, the wings do fold up, like automatically fold up, and then they fold back. and Kind of like a Lamborghini door that yeah. like moves up, yeah. Like a Transformer. You, that, basically. I, I, I'm more excited about the Transformer aspect of this driving plane than I am it being a flying <laughs> car, because it's not. It's a driving plane. No, but 
okay, but it's like a. It looks like a sports car. Like the car itself is legit. When it's driving with its wings tucked in, it's got a huge tail on the end of it. Like um, you can still see the propeller on it. <laughs> it's incredible. I, I, th- I thought it was amazing. Am I asking for too much here? Are you so you want it, you want it to be ran by you know turbine or like some sort of jet system? Yeah. Or like maybe like the Jetsons where it'll be like. Yes, Fly around this. even if it was one of those little bubble Jetson cars, I'd be more impressed. Hmm. But you know, I do. I've I've got high standards. It's like the hoverboards. There was a video a couple uh, months ago of a guy who was going flying down a, a street in the U.S. and he was on a hoverboard, but really it was just like a drone. Yeah, yeah. It was like two a two fans on each side. Yeah, a giant drone that he was standing on, which is still super cool. But you want anti-grav technology. Yeah, and I don't need the loud noise. You know? <laughs> Magnets or something is what I was expecting. Yeah. Well, I don't, I, you know, it's baby steps, dude. You, uh-huh. you can't just all of, all of a sudden I have the Back to the Future car. Like, the Model T came first, you know, and we worked our way up from there. I just think the headline was deceiving. Flying car, it's a driving plane. <laughs> this is the Taz and Jim Podcast. Here's a good headline. This gave me a chuckle. Shark experts don't want us using the term shark attacks anymore. Hmm. They think it gives sharks a a negative... uh, Shut up. I'm serious. It gives them a bad rap. So they want you instead. Here's some suggestions. Instead of shark attack, you can call them shark interactions. Shut up. Or negative shark encounters. <laughs> Interaction with a shark sounds like it handed you a business card. Yeah. They, they point back to um, the early 1900s. People used to call them shark accidents. The term attack didn't gain steam until the 1930s. And now sharks are perceived as man-eating monsters. But only 13 people worldwide were killed by sharks last year. So everyone just relax. But would you say they were attacked by a shark? I would. If a shark kills you, that's I would not want to call it an interaction. No, Jim, I, I had a negative shark interaction where a shark uh, borrowed my arm for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I lent him some blood to keep him going. Yeah, there you go. Negative shark interactions. We got a call here. Uh, Billy the Kid is is with us. A- and you agree with that? Yeah, I do. Okay, so I, was, I never thought about it before until you guys brought it up, right? Yeah. And I was thinking about it, and I know there's a ridiculously small number. You got, I think you guys said 13. About I 13 got, like, shark attacks a year around the world. Right. How many bugs do you step on a day? It's not like you're attacking those bugs, right? Eh. If you mean to step on them. Yeah. If I have a fly swatter out and I'm totally attacking the flies that get into my house. That is an attack. That is an attack. But they talk <laughs> about shark attacks mostly being mistaken identity. It thinks it's just trying to eat a seal. You sure, know? sure. But you're acting like its feelings are hurt if we call it an attack. The shark doesn't know and it makes no difference. No, the shark doesn't know, but the public perception does change. And I remember uh, watching this documentary on tiger sharks, 
and if there was a tiger shark attack, everyone would go out and they'd go hunting tiger sharks trying to get this one. Mm. But the stats would say that by the time they got out in their boats to go hunt it, this coastal shark is already miles up the coast, and you're just killing different sharks that never did anything to anybody. <laughs> That's true. They're just minding their own business. That is true. You don't want an angry mob out there. Yeah, it's a case of mistaken shark identity. <laughs> I'm just saying, I don't think they're attacking people. I think they're a bunch of good guys and girls in the sea just doing their own thing. And we give nature such a hard time. I feel the same way about coyotes, a lot of predators. Uh-huh. But, it, but an interaction could be like a shark bumping against you. Like, it's just not specific enough. It right. doesn't, it's not a good use of language. A shark interaction is would even be seeing a shark in the water. Yeah, it, it, It's I, such a wide spectrum. But when you say shark attack, you know someone's getting bit. I I feel the same way. There are shark. I, the terminology shark interaction and stuff like that. I'm not sure on the final place you're gonna land. Yeah. But attacks. I don't think they're necessarily attacks. That implies. Well, Billy, you know, you're. I'm sure 90 percent of the time they're not. But what about the 10 percent of sharks that are just bad? You know, it's an attack. It's an attack. Yeah. The like mean. What about the 90%. mean sharks who now you're basically giving permission to get away with it? Yeah, like that shark from Finding Nemo. Yeah, he oh, wasn't. He wasn't a nice he shark. Tried, he tried to food. turn over a new leaf, but he's still a shark, man. Yeah, fish are friends, not food. <laughs> <laughs> this is the Taz and Jim podcast. This is pretty interesting. Down in Texas, near Houston, Montgomery County, there was an investigation going on, Jim. The cops were looking into an underground crime ring. Hmm. They called themselves Dark Side. Ooh. Investigation is going on for eight months. And they finally made 80 arrests. 80 members of Dark Side have been arrested. What kind of crime would you think they were getting into, Jim? I'm going to say human trafficking. Mm. Drugs, maybe. Yeah, First yeah. thing that pops into mind. How far down the list is counterfeit coupons? <laughs> Below the top 50. You know, like, uh, hey, uh, half-price toothpaste. Sure. Diapers, cleaning wipes, soap, that kind of stuff. They were making counterfeit coupons. But listen how crazy this is. They uh, did it on such a large scale across the United States that in one case, there was a person who purchased more than $200,000 worth of items from different stores with these coupons so like $550 a day. What? This person already sounds well off. In items. Yeah. Well, what they would do is they'd buy this stuff and they didn't say whether or not it would make stuff free or if it was like 70% off, buy one, get one free, what the coupons exactly would entitle them to. Yeah. But they looked so realistic that when, when they try to scan them at the store, it wouldn't scan, but then the people would just say, hey, well, you, I have the coupon, you know, you better honor it. And sure. these stores like Walmart, Walgreens were just honoring the coupons anyways. Well, I, half the grocery stores you go to, it's like a teenager running the till. What do yeah. they know? You know, they'd be confused. And then they would take the items they bought and sell them online. <laughs> oh, there. Oh, okay. And they'd make the money back. Huh. Selling the stuff online or selling it at flea markets. So they're using these fake coupons 
They just oh. get their inventory at, at a fraction of the price. Very elaborate. I was thinking it was going to be more like Pepsi points or something, or maybe like the McDonald's stickers for the Monopoly. Oh, yeah, that's like a great story. Like those kind of simple ways to, to get money. Uncle Jerry, the guy who scammed uh, the Monopoly game out of millions of dollars. With all his buddies? Yeah. Have you seen that documentary? Oh, it's excellent. I've we, never watched it. We but... had the guy who wrote the article uh, that it's based on on our show, remember? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's it's pretty crazy. But, yeah, you know, I guess wherever there's an opportunity, there's someone who's going to try and take advantage of it. And Yeah. Honestly, coupons, I, I never coupons. I never thought my mom could turn to a life of crime, but maybe like I could see her getting in on this one. Hey, Karen, on the dark web downloading coupons. Yeah. <laughs> she's she's the head it's in the mafia they call them they call them Dons, but when it's a coupon crime ring, the the person at the top is the Karen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the we, mafia you can't refuse. We, we gotta get some of the smaller fish and work our way up to the Karen of the operation. <laughs> this is the Taz and Jim Podcast. And it's time for a new segment here with Taz and Jim. News that makes you go. If you're a man, get ready to be uncomfortable. If you're in the room with a man, get ready to watch him squirm. Okay? (laughs) Couple stories here. Jim, did you hear about the, the guy who vertically broke his penis during sex? No, I don't like these. This is, a, this is a medical first. A paper was just released about a vertical penile fracture, the only one that's ever been documented. I didn't know that horizontal was the oh, always the common way because it happens every once in a while. Yeah. It, I guess it bends sideways. It, it's usually a, a situation where you, you accidentally... It's like stubbing your toe. Yeah. You... you you miss, right? And yeah. you hit something, and then it. There is apparently a popping noise that comes along with uh, breaking your. Kind of like when you snap a junk. glow in the dark stick, or what do you call those? A glow stick. <laughs> you don't want to snap your glow stick vertically or horizontally. But it snapping vertically sounds like when a pole vaulter jams their pole and then it splinters shatters down the middle, right? It's better though, they say. They didn't know what to expect. They got the guy got to the hospital, uh, explained what was going on. The MRI was done. They found that it was a vertical break, uh, tear over an inch long. So, in your case, Jim, the majority of your penis. Yeah, yeah, three quarters. <laughs> and they had to do surgery to to fix the problem, huh. but it was successful. And they actually said. That compared to the horizontal breaks that they've dealt with, the vertical break was a lot easier to fix and Mm. the prognosis afterwards a lot better. Like this guy is expected to have a full recovery and he'll be able to resume sexual activity in about six months. Physically, but mentally? I don't know if he'll ever bounce back from that one. (laughs) Here's another story. Um... Oh, this is a nightmare. Worse than the last one? I, I don't know if it's worse. Tell me which one you'd rather. Okay, uh, 65-year-old guy in Austria is at his apartment Monday, needs to go to the washroom. He sits down on the toilet, doing his business. All of a sudden, he feels a pinch on his, uh, his manhood. Stands up. It was an albino reticulated python that came up through the toilet. (laughs) 
and bit him. Oh, my God. I, I think it was just the tip, but still. Okay, well, that'd be a weird thing because it's the albino reticulated snake, too. So when you stepped out of the, <laughs> the toilet, stepped up, you'd be confused when one started and one stopped. Yeah, those things can grow to be 30 feet long. Oh, my God. They're not native to Austria. They're native to Asia. But uh, this guy's 24-year-old neighbor is a big snake guy. Oh, it's always the snake guys. He's got 11 of them, or he had 11 of them until one went missing. And it made its way through the plumbing into the neighbor's toilet, came up, and latched on. So it never left the apartment. I think I'd take the break. I think I would take the break. That's news to make you go. This is the Taz and Jim Podcast. We got some water guns around the house. You do, yeah? Yeah, my kids are really into the water guns now. Hmm, like super soaker pump ones or like the one pump? I couldn't find the legit super soakers. I miss those ones where you build up the chamber pressure. It all seems to be like you you, you cock it and the water shoots out as you cock it. Right. You pull the thing out and then you, you squeeze it and the water squirts instead of you used to have to pump it mm-hmm. and pump it some more. And then you had like, uh, you had some in the chamber, right? Yeah. Yeah. It could go forever. Man, those yellow ones with the green tank. That's the one I'm, the, I think it's super soaks are 60s. Mm-hmm. I think that's what they're called. Legendary. Yeah. I don't know. If you got some hot tips for us, where do you buy? They're probably limited supply like everything else this summer, right? <laughs> Anything that's in demand is, uh, yeah. you can't find any can't supply find anywhere. super soakers anywhere. <laughs> I remember I had a, it was a neon green. It looked like an Uzi when I was young. A little too realistic for a water gun, I think, by today's standards. Yeah. It looked like an Uzi, and it took batteries. Oh, would it go? Yeah. Yeah. Almost like make a sprinkler noise. Yeah. That's That's next level, man. That's too much. It's a weird combo because then you got to worry about running out of water and running out of batteries. Mm. You're never going to win the water fight that way. Mm-hmm. By the by, my late childhood, they came up with the the most amazing technologies. Where you, at the end of the hose, you would put an adapter on the end of the hose, and it was like a refill station. And all you would do is stick the nose of the the super soaker into it, and then it would automatically fill up the gun while pressurizing it. And so you'd have to pump anything. Wow, that was. That was the peak, I think. You know what's come a long way, Jim? I don't know when the last time uh, you've had a water balloon fight is. No, uh, uh, probably a decade. Have you seen the the water balloons nowadays where you have like a, it's an attachment to the hose, like you were saying, but you have like 10 or 15 oh, offshoots yeah. and you can simultaneously inflate like 10 water balloons at once. Yeah. And then they just kind of snap off and tie themselves. Yeah, they're good. I saw my uh, my friend with her kids do that. And you can you fill up a bucket, like you fill them up in the bucket. Yeah. And you just pull the plastic uh, nozzles out and they're filled. I don't get it. It's like magic. <laughs> Back in my day, you'd, you'd spend seven hours getting ready for a big water time. balloon fight. And then you'd fill it so big and you'd try to tie the neck of the balloon and then it would all <laughs> pop and it would all be gone. This is the Taz and Jim Podcast. 
Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.